long-lasting, fulfilling, joyful, fun marriage, it was us. From the honeymoon on, I got to see that how on opposite sides of the spectrum we were from a personality perspective. Um, we're both pretty driven people, pretty kind of type A people, and yet there's some real distinct differences. Really, I felt like we were, we were doing great, that uh, you know, we were fulfilling kind of the design of what marriage is supposed to look like. And that, uh, uh, that got radically altered uh, one Sunday afternoon. He would withdraw, like the newspaper up and kind of, la, 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 I can't hear you. And I would get louder. And um, it's, I would scream. I would yell. I threw hairbrushes across parking lots. I, I stormed. I, I threw lots of tantrums, really something like you would see a, a child do. She said, I, I, need to, I need to talk to you. And I said, great, let's sit down and talk. And uh, she said, well, uh, you need to know that, uh, that I don't love you, that I don't really like you, uh, that the thought of being married to you is repulsive to me, uh, that I, I look forward now each week to the fact that I get to travel and leave on Monday morning or Sunday night. And uh, I, I'm miserable. And uh, you also need to know that, uh, that I made a commitment as a follower of Christ before God uh, to stay married to you until death do us part. And so I'm going to be praying for your death. I lost hope in God, as a, in His ability to fix it. I memorized verses. I could quote them. I knew what I was supposed to be doing, and I knew that I had to crucify my flesh every day and take up the cross, and I knew that I was supposed to, in honor, prefer one another, and I, I, I knew those things, and yet they fell apart on a daily basis, and I began not to just lose hope, but I began to hate one of my first thoughts was, uh, God, what, what are people going to think? I've got to do something uh, so that uh, people don't view me as a failure. But as I moved through that, I, I think the Spirit started to take me where I was, and, uh, and He started to humble me. But beginning to look at um, how I related on a day-by-day -day basis, how I... Um, gave in to my flesh on a day-by-day -day basis, when I began to own that and own the little things, um, that's when I really began to see, um, to really begin to see a change. I'll be real honest with you. Uh, it got a whole lot worse before it got better. It was quite a, a journey. It was not overnight uh, transformation. Uh, we set out on, uh, as we look back, you know, on, on a marathon. You know, we were polarized. You do your thing, I do mine, and kind of never the twain shall meet. Today, I am loved. I'm cherished. I know I am the most important thing to Him. And nothing else comes before that. And no matter what we face and the difficulties that we cross um, now or even in the future, um, He is for me. You know, I'm still... Uh, a fallen man. I'm still, uh, God's still growing me and teaching me. Lucina loves me enough to, 
to remind me of some of the ways that uh, that I tend to isolate. Man, if anything, the greatest thing we have now is that we got friends that when I think I'm doing well, and and he doesn't hear me, and I, I like get louder and louder, and someone will do a check, and they'll go, "Wow, Lucina, I just got to tell you what I hear and see you doing." The one thing we've learned. Uh, that's really important and I think a key to the health of our marriage is we are very, very quick to uh, work through issues and conflict. We keep very short accounts with each other um, and uh, we get to a healthy place again very quickly. It doesn't matter what has happened, he can redeem anything and that's what he's done. He's taken my mistakes, my pain, my failures, and um, and redeemed them for good, and um, and really has given us a future and a hope to, together, um, forever. Well, <clears throat> ours, as you can see, it is a story of God just taking dead things and uh, bringing them back to life. Uh, just to fill in some of the gaps in all that, uh, you know, th- this whole restoration process for us started with God transforming me and re- really through that transforming our marriage. And a- as we look back, uh, we really got derailed uh, primarily because of, of two things. One, uh, we didn't really understand God's design and roles for marriage. We thought we did. I thought I did, but I didn't. And, and then the bigger one was I, I really wasn't even committed to God's design uh, and purposes and following him to begin with. And the result of that uh, for us was just a painful progression. You could see it in that video that uh, just started with selfishness and withdrawal for me uh, that then led to deadness and hopelessness, you saw that with Lucina in our marriage, and culminated just in a, a, a path that led to a painful betrayal by each of us of everything we vowed on our wedding day. And, you know, for me, I was selfish. I was focused on me. Uh, love was about feeling. It was performance-based about my needs. Uh, my love of Lucina was based on how I felt like she was performing and loving me. Uh, conflict, as you saw, emerged. And so my answer to conflict was withdraw uh, and remove myself from that uh, instead of engaging. Uh, I didn't love her. I didn't pursue her. I didn't cherish her. I didn't try to understand her. Uh, and, and I settled for what I just perceived was a normal, okay marriage. I mean, isn't everybody's marriage like that? You just kind of you know, go along to get along. And it's just what the enemy wanted to take us down and get us to where we were. And I left Lucina vulnerable and hopeless, as you saw. And the result of that uh, just increased tension, a deterioration, uh, as you can imagine, of our physical relationship. Uh, And so as I withdrew and just settled for us not having a physical relationship. I just uh, really resorted to pornography and masturbation because that was a whole lot easier than trying to figure out what it looked like to pursue my wife. And uh, I was just numb and deluded uh, to the reality of where we were. And so for the rest of the story on my part, 
Um, as you watch that video, every time I see it, and I've seen it lots of times by now, and I really start cringing when the part comes that I know you all giggled at, but you laugh because of the pain of knowing that I'm going to pray for your death. And the really awful thing is I really wrote that down. I journaled it, and I spoke those words, and I meant it. And that's just horrific. And so how, what was my part, and um, how did we get to that? And I really have six things. And the first thing is I trusted my feelings versus what I knew to be true. As a believer, I, as you saw in the video, I journaled it, I memorized scripture, and I prayed. And I felt like God was still silent. He didn't answer me. He didn't come to my rescue. And time went on, marched slowly on. Second, I knew nothing about perseverance. So for me, Hebrews 12, 12 to 15 had to become a reality. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight the paths for your feet so that what is lame, like your marriage, may not be put out of joint, but rather may it be healed. See to it that none of you fail to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness spring up among you and cause trouble, and by it many can become defiled. Well, you see, I should have heeded that. I should have known that, but I didn't. And instead, I let bitterness take root in my heart, and it began to grow. And it flourished and grew as I spoke to other people, people I worked with. Um, In public, I would speak about my husband poorly. You'll never believe what a louse, what he did, how he treated me. And, And people that you work with are just itching to jump on that bag one. Oh yeah, you don't deserve that. I can't believe, don't stand for that. You don't, oh yeah, that just, that just feeds what's, what led to, as you heard on the video, hatred, really deep-seated hatred of my husband. That led me, number three, to be oblivious to my own vulnerability. I thought I was strong, bulletproof, and this led to business as usual for me. I worked, I was in the working world. You heard that as well. I was a consultant, so I traveled. That is a disastrous recipe for success. That led, that in business as usual for me, led to being affirmed in the world in which I worked. That led to an emotional affair, which led me to adultery. The guilt and shame were so overwhelming for me, um, but so was the attraction and the affirmation of someone else, because I didn't get that from him. I realized, though, very quickly that I, it was like a drug, and I was powerless to stop it unless I cut all ties. It just wasn't going to work. I clung to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just, and he'll forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I ran to Psalms 103. 11 and 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions. I knew that because I had confessed my sin to God and turned 180 degrees, cut it off, that God had forgiven me. But I vowed as well, right then and there, that no one would ever know what happened. How could 
anything good come from that. That would just be pain and destruction and hurt for everyone involved. Uh, We had no children at the time, but my parents were believers. His parents, I mean, just the, the circles reverberated. I had friends who had shared with me their father usually um, unfaithfulness to their mother and as adult women they were scarred still and all that did would drive was drive me further to think no one no one's ever gonna know besides from what I could see all the other couples young couples living around us were living happily ever after which now I know was a lie as well um, but at, it, that's how it appeared seven years into marriage five years into marriage everybody's happy but me The next thing I learned was I had to begin to focus on my part. You hear it here. You hear it a lot of places. I had to draw the circle around me. And I now know that is huge. I had to look inside at me rather than at him. I could tell you all about what he was doing wrong. He this, he that, he... And it was never me. And suddenly my self-righteous, you know, that that just the, the whole sacrilege of being so self-righteous and thinking I was above it and he was the one that was the problem. You see, God stripped me of that. He cut my legs out from under me, let me fall flat on my face. Why? So that I could see I was part of the problem, not just him. It was me. And, and because of that, I slowly began to, we began to walk forward, but the breakthrough still didn't come. We had children. I threw myself into Bible study. Um, I really circled myself up, the wagons up, and began to say, what is God's word for me on a daily basis? Um, And we began to walk out of it. And yet, 14 years went by before I could confess to Kyle, and, and I didn't want to. And what led to that was the beginning of Watermark. In the very first leadership retreat we had, our pastor at the time, Todd Wagner, um, years ago, taught on the sin of Achan from Joshua 7. And he said, we will never be the church we're meant to be. If you're sitting here as a leader and you have anything that is hidden, that has not been brought to light, um, we can't be who we're supposed to be if you don't confess that now. Uh, that led to confession to him, uh, to confession to lots of people. I, I evaluated my heart and God shed light. You've got to talk about this. That rawness and that pain led to the greatest growth and understanding between us. True forgiveness, true unconditional love and acceptance like I'd never known before. And that leaves us with where are we now? Uh, that was years ago as well now. 15, almost 16 years ago. And where we are now is I know today that I'm loved by my king and this man. I know today that I'm accepted unconditionally by my savior and by this man. I know that I am worth dying for. I was for my savior and I believe he would do that for me too now. But I also know that Kyle cannot satisfy now or ever the deepest desire and longing of my heart. That's God alone. And I've got to look to God alone for that first and foremost. But I'll tell you, he's a close second and a living testimony to the joy of my salvation. And and so just in closing, uh, just as Lucina and I look back and and things we remind ourselves continually now, just uh, four things that led to our real restoration. Number one was just committing to stay the course. Yeah, I'm so thankful that, uh, Lucina, uh, that, that Lucina had enough hope just to pray that I die 
because, you know, at least that meant she was going to hang in there. And, uh, and so, I, you know, I, l- I look back at that and I think, that's awesome. And uh, as, awful. I, as awful as it is, it's awesome. Awful. And so just, you know, but, because I was a mess and just having hope in the midst we- of hopelessness. And the Bible is full of stories of God uh, bringing restoration in the midst of hopelessness. Number two, focusing on me. And so I love where... You know, Jesus in Matthew 5 just says, hey, you've, you've heard it said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so I was a repeat adulterer. You know, that adultery for me was a daily diet because of what I was doing. And so just recognizing it's not about my wife or anything she's done. It's about me and the things that I've done. And the things that I've not done that he calls me to do. And so just getting the log out of my eye and learning to cherish and nourish and start to live in a way that I understand my wife. And number three is just uh, love her out of action, not feelings. You heard me talk about that when I began. That was, you know, love for me was all about feelings and just recognizing that I have to daily set myself to action. That loving feelings come as a result of me taking actions to love my wife. And, and then the fourth is just, you know, recognizing I just got to take one day at a time. Uh, you know, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so what do I need to do today? And not be overwhelmed with the path of restoration and how long it's going to take and what all that is going to uh, involve, but just be faithful today. And so, Father, I do just thank you for the ways you tell us, uh, even in Romans, that, uh, that you are a God of hope and with all joy and peace and believing, you can abound in hope uh, because you give us your power. And so I, I know there's all kinds of stories uh, in this room uh, of just all of us who launch down a path of marriage that's inconsistent uh, with what you intended. And so I, I do just pray uh, that you'd use uh, this time, just re-engage as a way to remind us uh, of just your design for marriage, that we can truly have fulfillment and passion and hope and joy in the midst of following you, that you are the God of hope. And uh, Father, just for the groups tonight, just that you would allow uh, just things to uh, trickle up that have been hidden, uh, just if there are things that would uh, allow restoration to continue on, just that you give all the folks in here just uh, a focus of what does faithfulness look like tonight. And uh, just thank you for the, the ways that you love us, the ways you model just unconditional love, the ways that you laid uh, your son's life down for us to have relationship with you. And so just thank you that we can look towards tomorrow because of the hope that you give us today through Christ. Amen. Thank you.